This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. There has been a long-held belief that the increased use and collection of data online leads to a higher level of financial fraud, and the data plays that out in some cases. But what if companies or platforms cut back on that data collection, even by as little as 10%, then what would that mean for the level of fraud? Just would there be a pullback, and how much might there be? Juan Tang is Assistant Professor of Finance here at the Wharton School. She has done research into this and joins us right now. Juan, great to have you with us. Thanks very much for your time. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. I think this is a very interesting story and research that you've done here, especially because of the reliance we have on digital and the collection of data, which obviously has surged significantly in the last 10 to 20 years. And and to truly understand that, that connection between the importance of the data and the level of fraud that we're seeing play out. If you can, take us through your thought process on wanting to look at this connection and how you went about it. Absolutely. Um, Let me actually start by providing some context for this broad research agenda. Uh, I would like to cite an excerpt from a New York Times bestseller book on cyber warfare, uh, which is think, uh, this is how uh, they told me the word ends. So the excerpt goes as follows. We live in a surveillance economy. Everything that was analog was being digitized. Everything that was digitized was being stored, and everything that was stored was being analyzed, opening up entirely new dimensions for surveillance. Now, we know companies have been collecting information on people for decades based on loyalty programs, travel agency reservation surveys, so on and so forth. However, the leapfrogging that made data collection ubiquitous and in a real-time manner really happened with the rise of smartphones. The penetration of smartphones and tracking tools like website cookies enable real-time collection and transfer of data among myriads of websites and firms, which render the scope, depth, and coverage of the surveillance economy really unprecedented. So if we look at the top players in the surveillance economy, each of them has amassed data on billions of consumers. And I'm not just talking about data brokers like Axiom or Oracle. I'm also thinking about big tech companies like Facebook, Google, Apple, and the three credit bureaus. Now, in this paper, what we try to understand is the potential consequences of having too much personal data out there stored, disseminated, or analyzed. In other words, um, what prevents consumers from saying yes or no to data sharing? Essentially, we're documenting the cause of uh, data privacy intrusion to consumers. At the broader level, we think there are three types of major causes that may be inflicted upon consumers. The first cause is financial fraud due to excess data collection and data breaches. Uh, This was actually echoed by SEC's effort with its finalized plan to tighten cybersecurity risk disclosure among public firms starting from next year. The second major cause for consumers is price discrimination or overspending enticed by targeted ads. And lastly, consumers may, uh, who leave too many digital footprints online may also risk having their political opinion manipulated, which was the case in the Cambridge Analytica scandal. So in this paper, we want to focus on the first major cause, as you mentioned, financial fraud. We ask whether privacy regulation that limits data collection and sharing could help reduce financial fraud. And this relates to the broader question of Uh, whether or not we should promote new regulations concerning the ways in which companies collect and use uh, consumer data. So this is where we come from. 
and I think it's interesting because I think the the expectation would be that in many cases to see kind of a tighter rein on the collection of data, it would require a regulatory uh, component to be able to get that done because I, I guess we assume that, that the companies that are involved in that would not want to have any kind of restrictions on collecting the data, correct? Yeah, that's very much correct. So very interestingly, the regulation we uh, investigate in the paper is an industry-led effort. So the regulation is formally titled the App Tracking Transparency Policy, which was uh, implemented by Apple, you know, as the iOS platform provider. Um, the, follow, uh, the policy works as follows. It was uh, implemented uh, on April 26, 2021. From that date onwards, Apple required all app developers, so any company with app, to obtain explicit user approval before sharing any user data with other apps or website owned by a third party. So the con consent uh, form was shown to app users in the form of a prompt notification at app uh, launch. And um, you know what is why is this policy a big deal for the data economy? Um, by default, iOS users are opted out of data sharing. That is, if they have not opened the app after April 21, app developers or the company that owns the app cannot share their data. And among the users who did open the app after the policy's implementation and were prompted for consent, the opt-in rate remained extremely low, basically around 18% 12, twelve months uh, after the policy's initial implementation. Uh, this policy, the app tracking transpo uh, transparency policy, therefore poses major, major threat to the, comp uh, to the consumer surveillance industry. And a lot of media shares the same narrative uh, as an example article from Bloomberg. Basically, that title uh, of the article says, ATT is a landscape-changing event that could sparkle uh, an internet recession. So we actually looked a little bit more into the negative impact of this uh, data sharing restriction um, on companies. Mm -hmm. And in another paper, we show that based on the stock market reaction around the policy's implementation, uh, on average, the public firm's uh, stock return declined by about 3% in a 30-day uh, window. So that is a major threat to any companies operating in the uh, data collection uh, industry. Don't you also have to look at this from the perspective of how this level of fraud impacts customer loyalty and then the decision process that a lot of these companies have to make about the potential of losing customers because of this fraud? Yeah, correct. So let me first talk about maybe the headline results from this paper, then drawing findings from another research paper, I can uh, offer more insight into how companies are handling uh, this uh, negative uh, impact from the Apple's uh, uh, data privacy policy. So based on the findings from the current paper, uh, as you also uh, briefly mentioned, uh, we document that if a zip code had 10% more iOS users who are opposed to the policy as opposed to Android users who are not exposed to the policy, uh, that zip code would have a 2.63% uh, more reduction in number of financial fraud complaints. And the mechanism right. for that is um, Apple's policy, this app tracking transparency policy, at its essence, really limit the cross linkages of different pieces of data from different sources about the same individual. 
Now imagine if you don't have a person's social security number, postal address, and phone number, etc., in the very same database, it's going to be uh, much more difficult or costly for fraudsters to engage in financial fraud, even if he or she right. gets hold of a, a you know, partial piece of the data set. Um, so the crucial requirement for fraudsters or perpetrators to successfully engage in financial fraud or identity theft is all this yeah. relevant information uh, has to sit in the very same database, and that's the major um, uh, con uh, consequence of Apple's policy. Now, you were wondering, well, uh, recognizing the negative impact of this policy on firms' revenue or uh, you know, consumer response, how did the firm uh, handle this uh, negative or adverse yeah. impact? Um, so that's a uh, finding from another research paper in which we also look okay. at um, Apple's so-called privacy nutrition label policy that mandates the disclosure of uh, firms' data collection practices in a standardized and easily digestible manner. Basically, if you go on any apps, uh, app store page, the download page, you see this newly added section called a privacy section that lays right. out every individual data item being collected by this company and why they are collecting each data uh, from purposes like targeted advertisement to more uh, essential right. purposes like functionality. Now, uh, using app-level performance metrics, we compare uh, the performance of the iOS app to the Android version of the same app uh, before and after this disclosure. We find that once consumers realize how much data is being collected by these apps, especially the iOS apps, because again, the policy only applies uh, uh, to the iOS users, there is a 14% right. permanent drop in the demand for iOS apps. Oh, wow. Juan, I have to end it there. We're at the top of the hour. I apologize. Great to have you with us, Juan Tang, Assistant Professor of Finance here at the Wharton School. To explore more content from the Wharton School, visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.